Welcome to Uncontained, episode 114. I'm your host, Aaron Static-Render, and attention all patrons out there, all Patreon supporters, Uncontained is now on Patreon, and it's really easy to find us. All you gotta go is patreon.com slash uncontained, and we've got some cool stuff for you there as well, including some stickers, some t-shirts, depending on what level you get into. I recently posted a video of an interview that I did at the radio station that I used to work at when I went back home recently. Uh, Really cool. Check that out. And uh, I appreciate any support that uh, you guys give, whether it's just word of mouth or financial. Uh, Anything helps, and I appreciate each and every one of you. Now that we're through the sappy uh, I appreciate you part of the intro, I got a great show for you. I have the lead singer slash guitarist of the band Quarantined, who has a really cool tie to two of my previous guests here on Uncontained, Greg Harrison and also Edward Towner, a.k.a. Eddie Bauer. They were both his instructors at the Musicians Institute in Los Angeles, California, and I got a track from their band coming up here for you in just a minute, produced by legendary producer G1. Yes, so if you know, if you listen to any of the 90s hip-hop, early 2000s, chances are he probably had his hands in it somewhere, and uh, well, this was produced at his studio, so really cool. Um, we also talk about uh, the correlation between between the quarantined and uncontained, how it's kind of meaning the same thing. So that's all coming up along with some uh, really cool stories about learning guitar through Greg Harrison and uh, some of the exercises that he had them do in class. I think you'll really dig this band, especially if you dig, say, a combination of Rage Against the Machine, Sublime, and uh, so I won't keep talking your ear off. I would like to point out that the audio, well, I did the best I could to make it, make the quality a little bit better, but you know, when you record over the internet, occasionally things happen where the sound quality isn't the best. But just keep in mind, I spent hours trying to get this to sound sound up to the level that I want to put out to you guys. So I, I think you will really dig the quarantined. And you'll find out here just a second how badass they are. This is a track off their recently released album, Antiquate Hate. This is The End. Enjoy. to know seeing it another way is definitely too slow never ending it seems never visit clean effects the sunset leaves unfulfilled dreams saw run rattled in a drunkard swill catch me if you can if you can see the bear but still unbound and free from the many we're pining for a penny on the sidewalk land of the plenty down in a hole the very few know it's a crap shooting a chess game of souls get owned i'm back for the dead fuckers three times running but don't forget you fucking owe me something In 
losing yet when I walk and I lay to rest If you knew my thoughts, my friend, you'd think it's best Been told a million times before, but I'll never learn Make this world a better place, I'd rather watch it burn Watch it burn Nothing but decaying Save me the anger Give me danger I want it all just like you do Save your tears Reminder of your fears Steal your love away There's nothing but decaying Save me the anger Give me danger I want it all just like you do doing today sean fantastic how you doing man? i'm doing great man thank you uh for joining me here and uh i i kind of kind of got connected with you on facebook through a group that we're both in gigs la and uh you responded to one of my posts and i started listening to your music and i was like dude i'm really digging this it kind of correct me if i'm wrong but i pick up a rage against the machine influence of course and then i even pick up on the other side of the spectrum like a sublime oh yeah rage sublime and then you throw in a few other influences and you kind of got your band the quarantined yeah yeah that's that's definitely about right yeah we, we love taking from that punk rock spectrum you know everything from uh even the ramones green day uh operation ivy offspring um, okay i i i heard a little offspring in one of those too <laughs> yeah yeah, definitely. We we take from that genre, and we also take from metal too. We're not afraid to to go over into the metal genre. We're not in, in the first couple songs we did, um, you know, we were doing heavy blues songs. These eight minute blues odysseys that would start off in these 
real sultry licks and go into full-on, you know, metal kind of gent kind of stuff. Okay. All right. I saw on your website that you really started uh, singing at a really young age. How old were you when you started singing? I, st- I started singing when I was four years old. Four years uh, old. In community choir, I was like the littlest kid in the in the in the Gloriana Children's Chorus. And um, hilarious story that character uh, loved to do modern songs at the time, and at the time it was. Uh, that uh, everything I do, I do it for you. Okay, is that the one from Robin Hood? I, I, th- I think so. <laughs> okay, all right. Brian Adams, I think. I was one of the soloists doing that, and you know that raspy voice at the end that he does his uh, does that final thing in. Well, I tried to do that, but I went over over raspy, and so there's this little four year old kid doing this really raspy, but everything I do, I do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Those kind of things were, you know, were. were were fun and, and I started doing that and I was able to go into a lot of genres and I wasn't ever afraid to go in and see opera or go and, and watch a play or go and listen to a rock band. Yeah. Never, there was never any taboo between those things. That was never ingrained in me. I was just, Oh, that exists. Of course I want to listen to it. Very cool. No, I'm picturing I'm picturing you. I can't help but picture you in my head uh like doing the over raspy part of the um uh, of the song. I I get a vision of a little kid trying to do like uh Joe Cocker. Yeah. Like a little help from my friends. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, all right. So I, I just wanted to make sure like that's what was playing through my head as you were telling me that story. So <laughs> At four years old, who guided you into music? Who let you know that you, hey, you have a you can sing? I think it was it was probably you know my parents and my brothers. They, they were my brothers were singers too. Okay, we were we were definitely the, a musical group of, of kids. But I think you know I got a lot of reinforcement from from the community too. Okay, and choir director like the the community where I grew up, as far as the arts, is very small. But it's um, you know in, in comparison to some other towns and stuff but it's it's very tight-knit and it's very supportive and i'm i'm really happy that that i was able to to be in that community for a while because you, you really get to live in a community and create art it was you know it's a great experience as well okay yeah definitely it sounds like you had a uh, very supportive uh surroundings and uh people encouraging you to continue on so what brought you from singing brian adams like joe cocker to uh, getting into like expanding your music into more rock oriented fields or uh, what was the next step from your four year old singing self? The next step then was learning guitar. See, my, my dad uh, died when I was four years old. I'm sorry to hear that. That's no, okay. It's a long time ago. You know, I had a, a lot of really deep things going on as a kid and I needed an outlet and people were like, well, okay, try music. Um, so in you know 12, 13 years old, I started picking up the guitar and listening to Jimi Hendrix and Robert Johnson and Eric Clapton and Eric Johnson and all of these very guitar-oriented music that I really wasn't aware of. Yeah. My my family was also very religious, so they weren't too happy when I picked up Black Sabbath. Yeah, Black Sabbath, ACDC, anything like that. <laughs> yeah, they they were definitely not happy. And then later on, once uh, you know, I was. I would play soccer and basketball as a teenager, and my teammates would be like, "Hey, you heard the new Dre record?" And I'm like, "What?" 
<laughs> who is this Dr. Dre and what is he a doctor of? <laughs> you know, a doctor of beats, man. <laughs> yeah, but as a 12 year old kid, I had no idea. Yeah, no kidding. So I started getting introduced to all of this, uh, an even wider range of music by picking up a different instrument. Um, and, uh, but at, at that time, I, I was definitely uh, focused on um, classic rock, Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, Eagles. And looking at your website, thequarantine.com, you can see some, uh, I'm guessing people that influenced you in the covers that you do. Some of the covers that I saw, I was like, oh man, that sounds awesome. Like House of the Rising Sun by the Animals. And then uh, Georgia by Ray Charles. It's like, okay, there's a lot of diversity that goes into creating this band musically. Yeah, absolutely. One aspect that I, that I picked up on socially was to not be afraid of the things that other people are afraid of. Like how so? What do you mean by that? In, well, when it came to ideas, when it came to ideas, the community itself, even though it's very small, is very diverse. And at that time, it, you know, it's it, it's still, definitely still see it in LA. There's people who will tell you not to do this or, you know, oh, don't do that, just in general. Yeah. When it's, a lot of times it's them just trying to break down an idea because of 10,000 different ideas that they have. But, uh, a fresh set of eyes on something can reform it and make something new from it. And so even though the idea was, you know, pointless to somebody else, doesn't mean that you can't use it for something and, and improve yourself. with it. Okay. Just to get a better grasp on that, like what would be an example of uh, an idea that, that you took and used it when other people wouldn't? Um, okay. Like uh, I, a simple example is um, a lot of people will be like, um, oh, this band totally sucks. Like uh, when Fastball first came, people loved Fastball, and then they just turned on, right? The <laughs> only song I know by them was the Am I Out of My Head, Am I Out of My Mind uh, exactly. song. That's yeah. that's exactly. my extent with Fastball. <laughs> Nonetheless, I mean, it was, a, it was a great song at the time, and it was um, combining an, an, uh, an old time kind of blues feel in a modern recording setting. Okay. And so at the time it was, uh, it fit in with Pearl Jam and Event Horizon and Matchbox 20. Yeah, I could see that a little bit. They they fit in with them, but they they were slightly different than them as well. There was something, something that, like, I'm not going to say I was like a huge fastball fan or something, but there was something that like when they came on, you could definitely tell it was them. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, each of those bands I mentioned has their own distinct sound, but they're also in a in a genre. It's like you're able to put them in a basket together. Yeah. So, so musically speaking, there was there was also very uh, uh, very heavy metal influence in that town. That where they were like, no, 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 we don't we don't want you to sing. We want you to scream. And at that time, I didn't know how to scream, and I didn't know how to make my voice, you know, have that extra angry power to it. Yeah. That time I was just pretty in choirs and stuff, and all <laughs> these, you know, these, these kinds of influence. Where I was like, I was figuring my place in rock was, you know, have a heavy distorted guitar and sing really pretty. Uh, and eventually, you know, I started to realize that that's not really what metal is about. That's taking metal and, and making it something else. And it's, you have to at least bring some pain with the blues. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
you don't have any pain, you can't play the blues, you know? <laughs> yeah, metal and blues is not all puppies and rainbows. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you have to be able to grasp those things, uh, not just on a personal level, but on an objective level as well. Yeah. Um, and I learned that later on in going to school where, you know, every every genre was, was putting you. It was, can you play this? Can you play this? Can you play this? It was not, do you enjoy it? Do you can do as much as you possibly can, know as much as you possibly can. Um, and making all of those those connections, and, and you have to force yourself to find something that you like about it and you can latch onto it that, that you can innovate on top of. It was, it was definitely at a musician institute where that was that was driven home uh, in a way to that also gave me a, a, a way to apply my military discipline and sense of duty and, and you know apply some of those some of those values that I learned in the military into music to make myself a better player to use them okay. as motivation. Right on. So yeah, you mentioned that you just went. You just mentioned going to the Musicians Institute, and it's really cool that I saw. Like as I was like researching you, I saw that you uh, went to study guitar and also recording. And I was like, dude, I wonder if he knows two of my past guests on the show. I wonder if they were like his teacher or anything. Greg Harrison, one of the guitar instructors there, and Edward Towner, or AKA Eddie Bauer, uh, who was on the show as well, uh, doing the recording teaching and stuff. So I was, that was really exciting to me anyway, to know that you actually learned from some of my guests. What, what was it like learning from them? Uh, is there any, any stories you could share? I, I, look, I really love both of those guys as teachers. They're, they're having a, immense amount of knowledge and dedicate themselves to giving that knowledge to people in and finding the way that, that they can understand it. The, those two guys especially are not only fantastic teachers, but fantastic. Some of the best at what they do and uh, they really push me. Um, yeah. Greg, as a, as a guitar teacher, he was one of those guys that even the people who weren't shreddy were still like, damn, that's some technique. Yeah. You know? They could still appreciate and see how much work he put in. And one of the the best ways that, that he taught us classical music and he taught us to have an appreciation for classical music and and composing and orchestration was he gave us all a Paganini, uh, like the first page of Paganini um, piece. Okay. And everybody in the class learned the whole entire piece, and then he sectioned off the class. To play one note, and he would, and so we would play the entire Paganini thing, or the whole page. But each person would play one note, and as you know, in Paganini, they're all sixteenth notes and or thirty seconds. So even even if we're playing it at, at sixty or eighty BPM, everybody has to be on the exact same page, and everybody literally, and on the exact same note. And so it teaches a cohesion and it teaches a personal discipline at the same time. And it was fun. It was just fucking fun. And he didn't, most of the other, uh, the other people didn't know that those were the, the contents of that, of that message. They were just like, this is, this is cool. They hear, hear this song bounce around the room and everybody's doing it all at the same time, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was just, a, it was a really great lesson. And, um, and with Eddie, the class he had us uh, in the class he had us mix Bob Marley's "Is This Love," and that was being able to go through all of that music just on its own is you know 
an amazing experience, really. Like the the recordings just of Bob Marley to hear like all of the content that's in there and all of the once you know about all the history of it, it's it's an amazing thing to be like these are the original tracks. You know, audio engineers kind of bug out about those things. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I heard a cool story. I don't remember who I was listening to today, but it was about Bob Marley. It was like there was some concert that some people didn't want him to perform, so somebody shot him in the arm to keep him from playing and or shot at him and hit him in the arm. And he went up on stage and played the show anyway, despite having a gunshot in his arm and knowing that the person could be out there trying to shoot at him again. So that that is badass right there. <laughs> Bob Marley is definitely in the pantheon of badasses. Yeah. 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 You think you don't necessarily think badass when you think reggae, like that guy's probably a badass. Now you probably think that guy, you know, he he knows how to relax <laughs> on the beach, but definitely earn some serious, serious respect on that anyway, if if, if he needed any more. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about your band for a minute. Let's uh switch that up. The quarantined. So you have a new EP out that came out in August, Antiquate Hate. And uh, it, how many tracks is on the EP? Five. Five-track EP, all right. And uh, it's currently out. People can get that on, like, iTunes, Spotify, and all those good places. Yep. You can uh, also get it through our website, find it in Bandcamp. We encourage people to, to go and check out the Bandcamp because Bandcamp has our, um, our entire discography. Uh, the rest still only have antiquated hate, but the Bandcamp site has a lot of special features uh, that are available to our fans that know about. Like, what uh, would be the special features at Bandcamp? Uh, unreleased um, live performance videos that are HD quality. Um, you know, on the Bandcamp site, there's you know a whole other EP of um, our, some of our first demo songs. Okay. You know, it was us trying to see the range of our songwriting, so we go pretty far with it. You know, we go, like I was talking about before, that, that eight-minute blues song that goes between, you know, old-school Chicago-style blues to, you know, heavy metal. Uh, and then we have uh, a song that was um, written about uh, when a squad leader of mine came back from a mission after killing somebody, uh, where he put two rounds straight in his chest and, and watched him die from about 25 meters away. It was a song about the experience wow. that told me. And we should probably yeah. preface uh, that uh, you were in the armed forces, correct? I, I don't think we've talked about that since we started recording. What branch were you in? Uh, yeah, I was in the, the Army and the Airborne Infantry, uh, in the 3rd Battalion, 509th uh, Infantry Regiment, uh, based out of Fort Richardson, Alaska. Um, I was in the 25th ID. Okay. Um, 4th Battalion. Uh, and uh, we deployed to Iraq in October 2006 to, and I was there until uh, September of 2007. Okay, so that kind of sets the story for um, what you were saying earlier about the premise of one of your songs. So the people aren't confused, like, what the hell he is with somebody that shot somebody in the chest twice? What the hell kind of story is this? Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy story. I, I don't deliberately base it in that, uh, in that country. Like, in this song, I wanted to make people, uh, to use general enough terms so that people could apply it 
so they didn't have to know my stories to apply. Okay. Um, the, the original inspiration for the song is, is mine, but everybody else's interpretation of it is theirs. And that's the, the most important aspect that they take something out of it, not for them to know my specific story. I don't care where they know the story. But yeah. It, you know, like just, uh, the, I just encourage people to listen to the song and think about its application with our gun Yeah, that track has a really heavy Rage Against the Machine uh, influence to it. Because like, I was hearing that and I was kind of thinking, like, rolling through the valley with a pocket full of shells. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Ball- this song I'm talking about is Ballad of a Dead Man. It's, it, it's more of like a Metallica-inspired kind of uh, ballad. Okay. Uh, this is from our first EP. Okay, what track am I thinking of? Uh, is that uh, something about lies? Yeah, that's feeding lies. That's off the end of the hey, EP. Okay, all right. I'm sorry, I, I jumped jumped around there. Yeah, no, it's it's all good. Um, yeah, that that song, uh, feeding you lies. That um, that song I wrote in 2012. Okay. Um, and the lyrics become more and more relevant as time goes on. What uh, makes him become more relevant as time com- goes on? Because the end of the second verse, uh, I referenced that they use religious ignorance to keep you on that red hill, leading you to a meat grinder, empty and staring, while the brown shirts that you thought were fading away are alive and well and taking over today. Okay. And I wrote that in 2012 because I saw a slow-moving coup happening in the uh, in the conservative and right-wing side of politics. And um, at the time, uh, there was also uh, the neoliberal side that was also pushing for war, two wings of the same bird. Uh, me, personally, uh, because I was the tip of the spear, but also as a civilian, um, I, I saw and, and felt the propaganda that was being created by institutions that we had trusted to not do propaganda pieces. Yeah, and I saw the degradation of that uh, in a slow way, but it started to become more and more real to me. When a lot of this, the ways that I saw society break down uh, in Iraq were happening in a similar. The principles were the same; the details were different. Okay, I saw, and I saw them starting to happen here in America. And I felt like a crazy person, like even just for being able to put it together or, th- or making that correlation at first, I was like, "That's." It's crazy. There's no way the society does have a. There is a process to everything. If society crumbles. It does have a process. And how it goes down or it goes back up. But there is a process to that. Yeah. Instead of going back down. And so I strove to understand those processes without the the fear of that I shouldn't know that or shouldn't talk about it because I was already you know I already had a security clearance. I, I knew what, what it was like to understand. These institutions are made up of people. They're not just imaginary concepts. They, there are real people who are making these decisions. You can't just make them out to be asshole fuckers who don't have any conscience whatsoever. No, no, they're human beings with minds. Yeah. They, they are people, too. Um, even the people that you vilify are people, too. Uh, they have a reason for being a villain. This is where you know my acting is coming back and understanding who a villain was. A really good villain, and what a convincing villain to everybody else is, is, is that he's going after a purpose or something that he knows will help him. He's not just doing it just to piss everybody off. He's, he's doing it to help himself. But to him, that's benevolent. To everybody else, it, that's what makes him a villain. So, in understanding 
these these concepts and ideas, I, I could understand humanity as just that, as as humanity, instead of these groups of people who I need to dislike because I don't understand. Them. And because of that difference, uh, it made me feel like I was on the outside of society, only able to be objective, but not able to reach in and do something. And um, being lies is in a way we at the time trying to break that complex thing down into a song so that we can rock and rage out to it. Yeah. To talk about the deeper things behind society instead of making it so superficial. I wanted to make the least superficial song I could possibly do, and I figured why not talk about the bullshit? <laughs> All right, fair enough, man. I'll have to go back and listen to that one because I don't think I, I don't think I heard uh, the one off of off one of your first EPs. Uh, I didn't make it back that far in your catalog, but I'll have to go back check that one out for sure. Um, yeah. Now you have uh, a documentary that you're working on as well. Um, from what I understand, you're still haven't quite come up with a name for it yet, but what is the uh, basis of this documentary? The documentary is about our, our songwriting process and recording process, what we do to record. It's about the, the people in the band because they each have their own extremely uh, uh, interesting backgrounds that bring unique influences. Um, and so we want to be able to display them as well and show how that all comes together in the recording process and, and talk about the talk about the recording process, who the band members are, and uh, show a story of growth. So do you want to mention who your uh, band members are? And what, what you said they have an interesting story. What's a little bit of their story just to let people know uh, about the band and about the documentary a little bit? Yeah, um, so... Alex Diaz is our bassist. Um, he's originally from uh, Guadalajara. Um, he's a, a goofier, very well-traveled guy. And uh, we went to MI, uh, but at the time when we were there, we, we just kind of knew each other and didn't really, you know, didn't really talk to each other that much. We still had, like, classes together. We knew of each other. Okay. We, probably, we never really worked together when we were going together at MI. And when we got out, we're like, hey, weren't you? Yeah, you were in my classes. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> Um, he's one of those, one of those funny kind of, uh, so he's a, he's a fantastic bass player. He's also a fantastic guitar player. Um, and he has a, a, a very, a very good influence, a very good understanding of, and especially the, the, the complex stuff that, you know, people consider like tool and dream theater and, uh, you know, the complex kind of ethereal feeling kind of music. Um, he, the math metal. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he has a lot. He comes from that, that general kind of area when, when he's playing with the sounds and his tonalities, and it's it's really cool the stuff that, that he lays out. And uh, Serge Martinenko is the drummer. Uh, he's a model and an actor, video editor, and he's also helping us do the, the some of the editing and, and working on making the pieces uh, from the documentary. We already have a piece, a couple of pieces released. On our website, stuff from the documentary, and uh, Serge was. We're working with with Serge right now in the studio to make our next EP, um, which is going to be another five songs, and, and they sound really, really fucking awesome. Right now. Nice, nice. Serge is doing a fantastic job in the studio. 
Great, man. Great. So, uh, so you're already work- you just released an album back in August, and you're already working on a new one. So, uh, is there any tentative date where we could see new material from the quarantined? Not as of yet. We're going to be releasing uh, some promo pieces from the documentary uh, on our website and on our social media soon. But, uh, but right now, we don't have a date. Cool, man. So. You got the documentary, you got the music you're currently working on, and then Antiquate Hate, and you've been singing since you were four years old, all right? So you have a lot of experience with music and uh, dealing with the music industry. What would be some advice that you would give somebody who is looking to get into playing music, either solo or with a band? Um, If you're just looking to get into it. The first big problem that you run into is separating yourself from the music. Because most people's, the reason why people started music, the reason why I started the music was because it was a form of expression. It made me feel good to do it. Okay. Very simple path. But being a musician and an artist at the same time, an implied task is that you have to be able to turn off one or the other, or turn them both on together and turn them both off together. You know what I mean? Like it has to be on, off, you know, you have to be able to use all of these tools and know when to not be something, not feel something, not take something personal. Understand how to take constructive criticism and use it no matter what form it comes in. Oh, I'm, I'm picking up what you're laying down now. Because you can just play music and be an artist. You can own a guitar, but you might not be a guitarist. You know what I mean? Yes. That's me right there. I own a guitar, but I'm not a guitarist. (laughs) (laughs) You have to know that there are differentiations between these things. And when you are deliberately choosing something, especially to be a musician and an artist, have to be willing to put that ego aside to take in as much information as possible. And that is not something they'll teach you in school. That's not something you can rely on your parents for. It's not something you can rely on your friends for. Because they might not know how to do that. I'm following what you're saying, and it also can be really hard to do, like separate yourself from something you put so much of yourself into, and like mm-hmm. be able to make it so when somebody does give you constructive criticism, it doesn't feel like it's you that they're like going after. It's like, okay, it's this product over here or this project, not not so much me that they said could use some work or something along those lines. So yeah, I think that is that is huge. I've had to kind of work on being able to take constructive criticism as well. It's but it's very helpful too. Yeah. Not everybody is good at giving constructive criticism, but being able to take it even if it's bad constructive criticism <laughs> is still a valuable skill to have. Yes. And also, as a beginning musician, I would memorize these acronyms that were given to me later on, and I wish that I had learned them at a much, much younger age. Um, and they are SMART and SWAT. Okay, so what, are, what do these stand for? These acronyms are SMART for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Realistic, and Time-Based. Okay. A way to measure out what your goals are. And you put your goal through that process of those of those aspects of reality, your plan will become 
a much more concrete thing. It becomes doable. It becomes, there's a time limits set on it. Look into whether or not it's realistic that you can actually do it. And if you don't have it right now, can you go out and do it? Can you go out and learn how to do it and then become good at it? Yeah. Now, these are process that you must go through with every important goal that you have. And the other thing is the acronym SWOT, S-W-O-T, which stands for Strengths and Weaknesses, Opportunities and Threats. And this is a way to organize events, situations, yourself especially, uh, and how to recognize your strengths and weaknesses so you can start turning your weaknesses into strengths. Okay. Understanding what opportunities and what threats are and lowering the amount of threats you have and turning them all into opportunities. It's a way to, it's also a way to create positivity instead of just saying, be positive. It's the way (laughs) to actually create positivity. Okay. Instead of relying on it to just be there because it's not going to just fucking be there. You need to do something. Not everybody just unhappy all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I really like that. I really like that. It actually gives you, uh, it's like good constructive criticism in a way. It gives you a way to achieve that. Like there, as you mentioned, there's bad constructive criticism where it's just like, or bad criticism where all that kind of sucks, but don't give you any way to get there. But the SWAT and the smart goals kind of help bring you there. They're the stair steps to where you want to go. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, these couple of things, if I could impress these things onto every person who considers, not just, it stops being, I like playing music, but says, I want to do that profession. I want to live my life as a musician. Okay. Those are the things that I would want to give them because they're going to need it because I need it. And everybody who I talk to uh, at musicians and students, everybody who went to, I know who's in my classes and being professional music supervisors and record label people and record producers and engineers, everybody uses these uh, uh, some form of this, of this concept or idea in making them stick out in the business. And it's it's something or another. But the, the way that it was taught, that was taught to me by a great teacher at MI named Bobby Boyd. Um, and that's, those were all his ideas. And he impressed those onto me. And it, when he impressed those onto me, I applied it. And I ended up writing a business plan that created what I have right now. And it's not much. It's not the biggest freaking thing in the world. But it's 10,000 times better than where I was five years ago. Right on, right on. So that's proof that it works right there. Yeah. But and now, because I built it on a solid foundation, I have the ability to expand it and to keep expanding. All right, cool. So now that you have your foundation, now and now that you're using Smart and SWAT, uh, what are some other things that you are doing along the way to promote yourself? And uh, promotion, we're doing interviews and uh, different radio stations and podcasts and using social media. Granted, I, I know that we definitely be doing it better. There's only so many hours of the day that you can. You really have to be able to delegate your time to focus on pieces or be able to chuck out some pieces and just get down and focus on one particular thing. We're going to be doing tours very soon, more live shows, our content online. We're going to start getting to bigger news outlets, uh, bigger media outlets. I'm working with a bunch of people to, to start to create a community around music and ideas that we, that we have as, as a band. 
Very cool, man. So in your time as a musician, pretty much your whole life, uh, what would be like, I'm not going to ask you to name, pick the one highlight or anything like that, because that'd be singing since you're four to now. That'd be pretty impossible. But what are a couple highlights that one or two of them that you would care to share uh, with the uncontained audience? So um, this uh, last year in 2016, I had the distinct honor to uh, be nominated, have our lyric video be nominated for an independent. And uh, when that happened, I was I was stunned. I didn't know how to really take it. I was like, well, what if I what if I win? That's cool enough. If I, even if I don't, it's just you know crazy to get to know that that other people are listening because there's a there's a long long time. Now, for the other question, we're going to learn, learn to have patience because you feel like nobody's fucking listening a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, but it's cool to get official kind of recognition. And um, the best part about the experience was going to the award ceremony in New York City. And right now, at least as of now, that's the best trip in my musical has afforded or has created for to go to New York to meet a bunch of other independent artists who are doing the exact same thing that I'm doing in their own different way, in their own very unique way. Yeah. Because there's all of these categories, but they're all using the same kind of principles. So in, in a way, it's like you're meeting somebody who is technically and educationally and experientially the exact same as you, but they have all of these different other different expressions that are really awesome. Really, really good. That, that you're like, why haven't I heard of this before? Why isn't this pop, <laughs> you know, this is you know like amazing shit, and they're just there, like right in front of you. And you wouldn't ever like in any other maybe in any other cases you would never know of them. You wouldn't ever get the recommendation. For them. But there are these people who are working really hard and making really big impacts in their community, and they're getting recognized uh, at the independent music awards. And there's going to be another one coming up on the thirty first. Um, and I highly suggest if you're in the area, go. Go to the events. Is it in New York every year? Yeah, in New York every year. It's at, around the Lincoln Center area. But yeah, it's it it's really is an amazing experience. There's just the coolest people you can possibly imagine, coolest musicians. Everybody's doing something really amazing and really cool and putting their whole heart and soul into it. And that was that is experience number one. That is woo, fucking awesome. Second one, fucking awesome experience um, was working with the multi-platinum producers who have produced some of the records that I listened to as a kid and been like, I could never do that. I could never know anybody who ever did stuff like that. Yeah. You know? And meeting G1 was, and uh, uh, seeing those platinum records on the wall, be like, yeah, that's, that's real right there. You know, that's somebody making something and for real had a, a massive effect it was just one or a few guys two people working together to make something that had a massive effect on the world in, in general and he had a record in history of doing over and over and over be able to to learn from him for for, uh, for a time and to have our you know, having mix and master our record um to take our the, the best that we could do and then take it and turn it into something Way better than we had imagined. Yeah, uh, it was an amazing, humbling, and exciting process that uh, not everybody gets the chance to do. Um, but it put me, it it helped me get up to another level that I 
had to go through a lot of struggle to understand and comprehend. And before I, before I even met him, I didn't realize that um, I still had another one of those plateaus to get over that you'll, you'll feel as a musician, right? You want to throw the fucking guitar against the wall and be like, I can't play this thing. I can't do this. <laughs> this is, this sucks. I, I can't do it. There is no way. Fuck this thing. Fuck this. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Like you just you get caught in that. Yeah. And as you get that plateau where eventually if you push through, if you work through it, if you really care about it, if you really love it, if you understand how to, to, to keep yourself out of the way of things, you can fucking do it. And then once you get up to that other end of the plateau, you're like, woo, I fucking accomplished that. Okay, nobody was there. Nobody saw that. Okay. But <laughs> for myself, okay, great. And then you realize there's um, another mountain, another mountain, another mountain. So you have to be willing. And that experience made me realize that it's it's a continuous journey, not a destination. Being an artist is is, is about the journey. Yes, definitely. I, I, I agree completely. It's music. It's many other things as well. That's uh, not just a destination. It's once you get somewhere, you got to try to get to the next place again, try to get to the next higher place. But it's good. The, those steps, you know, you got to take the time to be like, hey, yes, I got to this point. Now let's march on to the next one. Yeah. And working with G1 in, 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 mixing and mastering this record is really, really close to my heart. I want to be able to share it with everybody. I want everybody to have their own interpretation to it. And I put a lot of neat little Easter eggs in there that I want to see if people get. You know, so I encourage everybody to listen to the record. Listen to it twice. Okay. And uh, would it be possible to get a track to play at the beginning of this episode? Oh, yeah, absolutely. By now, listeners, you would have already heard it, but uh, this is where it happened. All right, I got a couple more uh, questions for you. And uh, actually, two more questions for you. When you are on stage playing or say somebody listens to like your EP, is there anything that you want your audience to take away and remember about your performance that, you know, they go on and like tell their friends about? Strange. I have a strange answer, which is no. I don't want them to. I, I, there, I don't think there's anything that I would want them to take out of it. I want them to take it in. Okay. I want them to, to to interpret and extrapolate their ideas from what they hear. I I write generally for a reason. I I to get people to apply it to themselves. Like I had to. A lot of a lot of times I'll put lessons or you know the best advice I ever got into one line. And so I'll I'll do little things like that. It might just be the kind of thing that you need to hear at a particular moment because that's what this album is. It's a compilation of all of those moments from, you know, from my whole life up to now. And uh, it really, the, the, the deep, the part of myself that I'm putting into the CP is the, the deepest well that I could drop from. And um, so, uh, and I did that because that's like a stem cell of ideas. They can be applied to anything. They can create anything. Okay. But it takes a long to receive it in order for it to do something or have an effect. And, you know, it, it, there's a philosophical message in there, and I want everybody to be able to take... I know what it means to me, but I want to I have people be able to take out 
But, you know, of course, hey, he's a good guitar player. Hey, he's a good singer. Oh, that shit rocks. Yeah, that, that's the kind of thing I want. <laughs> so, yeah, so I take it back. Maybe it's yes and no. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, of course you want them to take that away. Um, now, are you... When you're telling me you want people to, like, kind of take it in and... Um, kind of apply it to their own situations or whatever. When somebody comes up and asks you, Hey dude, what is this song about? Do you tell them? Are you one of the musicians that don't tell them what the song's about? I'll actually try to figure out whether they want to know uh, what I wrote the song about or what the song means. Because those okay. are different things. So what the song means is the philosophy. Yeah. It's the, Lesson. It's the concepts. It's the ideas. Uh, what happened to inspire that song is a totally different story. So very true. I didn't really think about that. You know, there's two different could be two different meanings in there as far as what it's about and as you said, what you meant for what what you point you were trying to get across. Yeah. So I'll try to figure out you know which one of those things or option C that, you know, they were trying to, that they really want to know. Yeah. Um, because I think if they're asking that question, they're asking it because there's part of themselves that they can see and understand, or maybe it's a part of their self-exploration of, you know, recognition of self. Maybe it's a part of that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I've also heard a couple of musicians who are like, when somebody asked me what the song is about, I ask them what they think it's about first, and then most of the time they'll be like, yeah, dude, that's what it's about, because that's what it's about to them, you know? Uh, because uh, one of my friends who was uh, in a metal band back home was like, uh, when they come up to me and ask me that, I, I don't want to tell them something different because what they took out of that song could have been something that they've been basing their life on for a while or basing decisions that they made on. And if I tell them like, no, dude, that's just a made up story. They kind of like, could be like, what the, what the, what the hell? I thought, I thought that was this. And then like kind of lose it a little bit. Yeah. Well, it, I, that's, that, that situation right there is kind of what the the band is about. It, and it's about break. It's about choosing to break that uh, that connection to a, a relative falsity, um, so that you can understand the reality. Because the reality is actually much better than a movie. And um, even if it, it if it is something, you know, you still you still took value from uh, a Shakespeare story because of what it meant. You don't take that much stock in it because you, you think, oh, Shakespeare slaved away for 48 hours to make it, or any artist slaved away for this many hours. Nobody, nobody really knows or understands that, but they do know how it makes, it feel, makes them feel when they listen to it. Yeah, I like that. So I do have one final question for you. Before I ask that question, this is the time to share your corner of the internet where people can find you, your social medias, your websites, and all of that good stuff. So where can people find you online? Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter, at The Quarantine, uh, Instagram, at The Quarantine, um, Facebook, uh, Facebook.com slash The Quarantine, uh, TheQuarantine.com. We're on, we're on YouTube. You search on YouTube, you'll find us. 
All right, and you got the Bandcamp and Spotify and all of that good stuff. Is that at? Is that all at the Quarantined as well? Yeah, yeah. You should search for the Quarantined in those uh, respective apps, and you should find us. All right, perfect. So I have one final question for you, Sean, and that is the title question of the show. Sean Martin, how do you live uncontained? By being able to be objective about yourself uh, and to strive for understanding rather than being right. Knowledge is, is power, uh, but you have to be empowered okay. in order to use knowledge. And um, truly being uncontained in, in my in my ideas that you you don't strive to be different you are. I like that. But you're not just being different for the sake of being different. You're doing it because there's a better way. But you have the responsibility to show people to lead people, but you can't force it down the force it down their throat. You have to be able to. Uh, be assertive and be vulnerable at the same time um, and know when to use one and know when to use the other and know how to use them both in conjunction and uh, know how to turn them both off. Um, you see, I like the, there's a, a, a connection between um, uncontained and quarantined. It's uh, a very similar concept, uh, but different reactions to the, the same end goal uh in uh uncontained you know you're, you're trying to break free uh you're trying to live free to, to you know it has that in the word and the quarantine is the same thing it has a the same struggle the struggle with being free but are you free do you know what real freedom is or do you just say it to help yourself go to sleep at night or do you say it because it you know fits into your idea but are you, are you able to think freely, to accept new ideas and apply them when they need to be applied? Or are you uh, restrictive in what you, uh, in what you want to understand? There's so many times in my life that I've had people be like, oh, you did something I don't like that or something that I couldn't really see myself doing. I don't want to know anything about it. It's like, that's, that's a level of ignorance of it. Okay. <laughs> you, I mean, on whether you want to leave them ignorant or whether you just want to break down that wall. And that's what the quarantine is really about. Is that, uh, it's, <laughs> it's a concept of it. And it's about, uh, uh, you know, trying to, to grasp about um, how to be uncontained. Uh, and the... And it's about the, the uh, a view on, on that same struggle that we all want to be uh, a free living people. That, uh, and that means that we have the, the, the freedom to live. And in our, in our existence, there is still struggle here, uh, on many, many different levels. So it doesn't matter what country it is, there are still people um, struggling with the concept of what freedom is. And um, both the quarantine and uncontained confront that philosophical concept. And uh, that's the cool part about it, is that we're two different people going after the same kind of thing <laughs> with different words that 
kind of meet, you know, are a little bit opposite each other, but they still are talking about the same thing. And that I thought that was very cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. I, I I didn't really think about that at first with the quarantine. I guess I was thinking kind of like sick, like toxic, like type, uh, you know, things you quarantine people for, like you see in the movies or whatever, like contact with aliens or whatever. You're going to get quarantined. Uh, but yeah. I I see it now. I, I definitely feel where you're coming from. And uh I, I like I like the dots that you connected to get there. I like it. <laughs> cool. Thank you. All right, man. Well, I would like to thank you for coming on the show tonight. I have one final thing for you to do, though, to wrap up the show. It is sign off of the show. Sean, will you do me the honor of signing off the show tonight? Yeah. I'm Sean Martin from The Quarantine, and I live on and that does it for another episode of Uncontained. Thank you for listening and thank you to Sean for coming on and talking music with me. Make sure you check out their upcoming documentary and you can find clips of that on their website, thequarantined.com. Also, you can support the show by wearing Uncontained merchandise, Uncontained t-shirts, hoodies. You can even get phone cases. So, oh, and yeah coffee mugs as well if you're as big into coffee as i am that's a must-have so check it out tpublic.com search uncontained you'll find all the uncontained merch that's available and until next time thank you for listening and live uncontained